Welcome back to Mid-South Moments. With us this week, a regular co-host, Mark Dunderdale and Stuart Roberts. How are you doing today, Mark? Um, very good, thank you. It's the season to be jolly. I feel fairly jolly. It is the season to be jolly. How are you doing, Stuart? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. I'm in full-on festive mode. So, uh, so yeah, so all's, all's good. Even trimmed up the bedroom yesterday with Christmas bedding and lights. There you go. So, very nice. Uh, so yes. It's just, as, as we record, my wife is downstairs doing the Christmas decorations that she thought I'd be helping with. Um, but I'm not. And I just said to her, I'll see you in about four hours after this podcast finishes. Now, I don't expect it will take four hours, probably not even half that time. But I might hide out up here until uh, until it's all done downstairs. So it's just in a very similar situation here, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Get on as long as we can. I can't deal with the unraveling of lights. I had to put some some curtains up this morning for her brother staying at Christmas, and that's about as far as my practicalities this weekend can go, really. Um, so Mark and Stuart are here for the next two weeks. We lead into Christmas, and these are two important episodes as as they are the last two which emanated from the Irish McNeil Boys Club. Um, now I'm about I was about to say, in addition, it appears Mid South took a break from television for the next two weeks, but I'm now not 100 percent sure about that because of what, what happened at the end of the second episode that we're going to do and what they talked about on the following show. So I've, I've reached out to a few Facebook groups because one person sort of fairly definitively told me they did take a, a two-week break leading to Christmas 85. Um, but I don't know now. And I've also, I've got to, what you're getting after, so next week you get the 14th of December, the last show from Irish Manil Boys Club. Then you've got two specials in the archives. Then you're going to get January the 4th, 86, on January the 4th from a new home in Tulsa. Um, and if I find more episodes, I'll circle back and do them. But I just it's just impossible. And you've probably heard me talk about on the show already how the next couple of years of Mid-South and UWF television um, is going to be more difficult to cover given the lack of shows on WWE Network and just huge gaps on YouTube. So um, what I've decided to do after the first few episodes in January um, is just release a show each week covering what I can find and um, so there are going to be gaps um, and the dates won't tally up 36 years on from the day the show originally aired which will likely send my OC- OCD into overdrive however I've managed to locate 65 shows from 86 and 87 so far um, and I'm sure there's lots of um, good angles and stuff and there are quite a number of runs of episodes sort of eight and ten in a row so I'm sure it'll be some good stuff in there and before this promotion waves goodbye and I wave goodbye to podcasting forever. So um, let's try and keep this party going as long as we can, but don't blame me if I have to tap out in a few months' time. Now, on with the show. Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts were at the desk. Boyd said this was the first night of the Mid-South TV tournament with 14 top entrants, and this came about because Butch Reed, the TV champion, won the North American title, and the board of directors didn't want him to face the pressure of defending both belts. Very similar to the uh, Ultimate Warrior situation in 1990, which I don't think either of you were watching quite at that stage, and I wasn't either. So that's no. probably it. No, no. So we'll move, move, moving swiftly on. Um, the Hacksaws will team up against Jim Duggan's golf. Oh, the Hacksaws will team up and Jim Gulf. Crikey. <laughs> What am I trying to say there? First, I was saying the Hacksaws will team up against Jim Duggan's girlfriend, which is a whole different podcast. Hacksaws will team up and Jim Duggan's girlfriend, Deb, will be there. Still get that right. And the TV title tournament, we'd have Ricky Gibson versus Tommy Wright, Sean O'Reilly, top names in this tournament, versus The Nightmare, and Al Perez versus Dick Slater. Bill Watts said the tournament won't be like it was before. They're not going to bracket it. So sadly, no big board with handwriting on it. And they're going going to do it via a random draw. What said they have some fantastic news. Ted DiBiase's prognosis is fantastic and he will be able to wrestle again. Overuse the word fantastic there. 
They forward him all the mail they've received, but they protected his address while he's been recuperating. And we then cut to another clip of Ted on the phone with Joel. Ted said his injury is mending. It's going to mend completely. He'll wrestle again and he'll make his return on Christmas night. He can't think of a better Christmas present and he wants one of two people, either Ric Flair or Dick Murdoch. I feel like I've been speaking for about four hours at this point and I can already feel my voice going. Anyway, I thought this was great from Ted. Mark, save me. What do you make of this? Well, going back to the first part before the phone call, Bill Watts said, uh, described the tournament as being a little different, as you said, um, by drawing the names out of a hat as opposed to putting them into brackets. And he said that way, he was acting like this was a new innovative idea. And he, as an example, he said that way you could have something like Slater versus Sawyer or Duggan versus Jake. But that could still happen if you do brackets. I don't I don't know what he meant by how how this is yeah, an amazing change yeah. to the to the usual technique. But uh we went with that. And then yeah, DBS's phone call. He sounded very weak, obviously. Um yeah, he put those two names over as Flair and Murdoch he wants to face. But when Watts added that Murdoch's suspension ends on December 21st and DBS is going to be fit December 25th, I thought that was fortuitous timing for those two to uh, to have a match. Absolutely. Uh, Stu, what do you think of Ted here? Any any thoughts on the opening of the show? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> well, I've always, you know, I always enjoy the bit of the... Um... Uh, you know, when there's a bit of like uh, speaking, talking, going at the start of the show. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ted's Ted, he's great, great promo guys, Ted. So no, no, no issues there, really. Um, well, I was thinking, like, like I was thinking a bit about what Mark was saying um, about the uh, the the random drawing and stuff like that. You know, obviously, we we never got to see the draw, did we? So uh, <laughs> um, it's about as random as you can do. But I was just thinking, how great would that be just to just just to, to see in pro wrestling nowadays, just uh, uh, a totally random draw situation and then wrestlers just thrown into the ring together and stuff like that. I'd, I'd, I'd love that. And uh, um, Like the FA that. Cup draw, have yeah, two yeah, exactly. wrestlers drawing the names out. It's literally just there, done, isn't it? Live and there's no planning behind it or anything like that. that I don't be- think anyone would believe it was real, even if they did do it as a, as a shoot, I think, at this point. Yeah. Would they... Uh, it'd be cool though it'd be cool so it's like the old spinny things where they spin it and they zoom in it's like a little bit of a cut and it zooms in on the final thing it's all obviously that's been filmed separately from this um bill watts said he's spoken to dick murdoch and his suspension is up and while he's focused on the north american title there may be an explosive situation with dibiossi and he went back over what happened with flair and reed and how flair had complained about being fined um, we then got a short promo from Flair. He said Mid-South were one of the most powerful wrestling companies in the world, but they weren't more powerful than him. He said Butch Reed had it coming. Then he said something very questionable, which I really hope he didn't mean in that way. And then talks about Space Mountain having gone around the world 25 times. Um, I couldn't really, and I actually can't remember what this was because I've, I've watched this well, a week or 10 days ago now, and I'm glad I can't remember because I think it was quite bad. Um, I couldn't really get past the comment here, which I stress again, I don't think he meant in that way. Um, Stu, any further thoughts on this promo from uh, the Nature I, Boy? I, I, I sort of like, not, not not switched off from it, but like referring to that comment, I didn't really pay too much too much heed to it, but it was a typical Flair interview, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there was nothing new in that promo um, that I hadn't heard before from him. So, um, but, uh, you know, gave the power up to uh, Mid-South as being a powerful promotion. So, so you know, that was that was pretty cool, but nothing yeah. nothing too new. This struck me as kind of like he's filming a load of local promos one day and this is perfectly yeah. serviceable but not classic stuff. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this promo from Flair? 
Yeah, the same as Stuart, really. He said um, the same general stuff that he says mo- most of his promos, but his delivery is always on point. You're never gonna, mm. um, he's never going to phone in that part of it. It, it was just his um, Flair's look in 1985 that struck me. I don't know if either of you saw, there was a comedy series called Eastbound and Down a few years ago. And Will Ferrell had a character in it, and it was completely 100% Ric Flair, 1985. Oh, was it? Okay, I haven't and, seen um, that, no. Yeah, a character called Ashley Schaefer. If uh, if you look on YouTube or Google, it, it looks exactly as Flair did in uh, in this video. I've heard good things about that show, but I never never got around to, to watching it. That's maybe something to check out. Um, back to Watts, and he said they'd selected a winner for the portrait competition, but Eddie Gilbert has said that the picture had been stolen. They're going to try and investigate it and they're not going to give the name of the winner until they have found the portrait. Uh, yet more promo time as Dick Slater came out of Dark Journey. He said he's done a lot of things in pro wrestling and he's out there to challenge the North American champion. He said Ric Flair is a little mad at him as he has his $50,000. He said he's always been a better man than Butch Reed. Watts interrupted him and said that Reed had whipped him twice in matches and he needs to take up his title request with a matchmaker as Reed is not obligated to give him another title shot. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a bit of a theme over the next two episodes. I didn't like this from Slater at all. And by this point in the show, my fingers needed a rest from note-taking and I really wanted a match. Uh, Mark, what did you think about this whole thing with Watts first and Slater? Yeah, I'm with you on um, listening to Dick Slater. It's tough. Um but I, I did. The thing that amused me about this, Bill Watts seemed to make himself chuckle when he interrupted Slater's tirade at one point to say, if he keeps getting fined, there won't be anything left of that £50,000 bounty that Flair paid him for long. And that put Slater off his stride for a minute. And I noticed Bill Watts was actually trying to hide his smile when he yeah. put Slater off a bit. Between that and explaining why, after Slater has already failed twice against Reed, uh, the champion's not obligated to give him another match. And then he cut him off again to go to commercial. I thought Watts buried Slater pretty decisively there, and I, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Buried his own booker because his booker is is just all over this show at this point. Um, Stu, what did you make of this? Yeah, I, I picked up what Mark said about uh, it, uh, well, Bill Watts cut in. It totally flummoxed him, didn't it? It was like, uh, 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 you could almost see. Um, and, it, and it reminded me a little bit of... Um, uh, of that very famous uh, Roman Reigns, John Cena promo for, oh, I don't know, from about 2014, when Cena sort of like threw Reigns and you could see Reigns standing in the ring. You, you could almost see the cogs ticking in his, mm. what was I going to say? And John Cena was saying, come on, come on, you know, you got to do this, come on, like that, which I just thought. But I I, yeah, I just thought, um, yeah, Bill Watts just come on. I, I, and, and I'll come back to this later in the in the in the at the end of the first episode. I really struggled to understand what Dick Slate is saying. It's yeah. just all garbled stuff, and and I couldn't. I had to almost watch it two or three times just to try and get what he was what he was trying to get across. More more, not so much this one, but very much as we come to the end of it when he does another tirade. Um, really struggled to understand what he was what he was saying. So um, so yeah. So yeah, I I think. Yes, I agree. I, I, Joel, I, I'll, we'll move on because we're going to have a lot of Slater later on. Um, back from break, Jim Duggan and Butch Reed were in the ring along with Duggan's girlfriend, Deborah. Duggan said he was apprehensive of bringing her back after what happened last time. He said he'd protect, he said that last time he'd protect her, but obviously he couldn't. But this time he said, hey, baby, we'll both protect you. Duggan hadn't changed his views about where Deborah should be, i.e. not in the ring, but his parents didn't raise a fool and he won't put his hands on a lady. But Duggan said he had shown Deborah 
a few of his favourite moves. Come on, Jim. I don't think you're married, so that just doesn't sound quite right. Um, Deborah then even got on the mic and was fine and basically reiterated that point. Um, the microphone held by Jim Ross then went to Reed, who got a bit confused at the start, but then said Dick Slater was history as far as taking him on for the North American title. And until he comes up with something that may interest him, he's going on to bigger and better things, the NWA world title. Um, Stu, anything to add on? Duggan, Reed, Deborah, Deborah's favourite moves, etc. Um, no, I, I liked I liked how how Butch sort of like w- w- was sort of like aligned with what Bill Watts was saying. Like he doesn't need he doesn't need to prove anything to Dick Slater, you know. Um, you know, uh, I, I just <laughs> my notes just say Dick needs to show him something that he wants. So I'm not quite sure how to, <laughs> I should have put uh. the word a little bit different, but um, but but yeah, no, nothing nothing too much to add there. Mark? I was the same as you, Steve. I started reading between the lines of what Duggan was saying about he and Deborah, and then I sort of stopped doing that. I don't, I don't really <laughs> want to know. And they're, they're, still, they're still married to this day, um, which, is, which is a lovely romantic story. Um, Tiger Tab and Mike Scott versus the Hacksaws up next. What said that Mike Scott took a dump on the floor, which I didn't see, but can't have been good for ringsiders. Um, this was total squash and ended in 37 seconds. Nothing for me here at all on this uh, Mark any thoughts um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan had Hangman Adam Page style hair in this episode I thought and um, both Hacksaws were in the ring for the entire match uh, referee Carl Fergie was about as useful as a screen door on a battleship or an AEW tag team specialist referee or that yeah uh, Stu, anything I've got, actually got a Young Bucks t-shirt on underneath this, this jumper and yeah. I thought you would think I've done that deliberately, but I actually hadn't. I just had, yeah, I just was wearing it. I haven't actually had a shower yet today. So there's a, there's a little bit of an insight for the listeners. I've been too busy. So I'm still wearing my oversized Young Bucks t-shirt from, from bed last night. Stu, anything to add on this uh, this match? No, I, I just put, I didn't even know, I didn't even hear the bell go. So did the match actually start? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so no, nothing at all. Well, my fishing, my my fishing, my official learning resources, purple and blue uh, stopwatch. Reckon it was thirty-seven seconds, but who knows? Um, Ricky Gibson was up next, who I thought got quite a lot of boos uh, versus Tommy Wright, who was also booed in round one of the TV title. I'm not sure how these two got in this. Um, what said they'd been getting a lot of calls from junior heavyweights as they had been thinking about setting up a junior title, and what's explained that all TV tournament matches would now be one full to a finish rather than the 15-minute time limit due to the prestige of the title. Watts talks a lot about Deborah and Dark Journey during this, which didn't make the match any better. He also talks about Brett Wayne, who many people have watched on Channel 17, and he's coming to Mid-South, and he is the brother of Buzz Sawyer, but he's apparently not going to follow his brother's bad lead. Um, long heads is a spot in this, uh, and then into a hammerlock, which was somewhat aggravating. Uh, go, rookie Gr- Go, Ricky, go chant. And then half the crowd chanted no, which was, which was more amusing and more entertaining than the match. Um, Gibson won with a leg grapevine type move in 521. Um, some okay action at times, but I found the whole presentation with the distracted commentators just grating. Um, Stu, any thoughts on Gibson versus who? Well, Tommy Wright. Right, Tommy Wright. Um, well, I noticed they're both from Florida. That was the first thing I picked up on. Um um yeah it was oh, i don't know it was I, I, I the notes i got is very not very complimentary really messy head scissors from gibson into the ropes very little crowd interaction um the slowest monkey flip ever um 
but I, I, I yeah, I, li- I like the, the thing I liked was how he sort of like modified a figure four to get the pin. Um, the pin was good, yeah. Bit of bit of a yawn fest. If I'm being yes, honest, yeah. indeed, Mark. Um, as it began, Boyd Pierce optimistically stated that this should be a tremendous contest. Um, I noted the same as you, Steve. Gibson was booed when he was introduced and he was booed again when he won the match. Uh, there was a scary moment in the middle there where Gibson hooked his legs around Wright's neck for a flying head scissor, but Wright seemed to lose his balance and Gibson came down hard on his neck and shoulder with Wright landing on top of him. Um, everything, everything Ricky Gibson did, he did very well, but it seemed like this was the first time I've seen him in the ring and it seemed like his brother Robert must have gotten all of the charisma and showmanship in the family because he didn't really show much of it himself here. Yeah, big big time. Uh, so next up, we have Oliver Humperdinck along with Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, who's up against Steve Doll, um, who we talked about before, has been famous as one of the people in the ring when um, the artist formerly known as Razor Ramon interrupted and started the NWA angle in WCW in 96. Uh, Steve Dole had a vest on it that said Olympic gym, and he was certainly in pretty good shape here. Um, Watt said it was rumoured that Gilbert had grown so attached to his own portrait that he didn't want to give it up, and he instead sits in front of the fireplace looking at it. Um, Watt said he had some fantastic news they had received a huge amount of mail about the Rock and Roll Express and Terry Taylor. And Terry Taylor would be coming back to Mid-South at Christmas. And Gilbert won this with a hot shot in 155. I've not said a single thing about this match in my notes. Mark, anything to add? No, nothing about the match. Uh, the strut that Eddie Gilbert does is like the Fargo strut with the fast-forward button pressed, uh, I noticed in here. And one thing um, you said about how, I think you mentioned Doll looked in good shape. I think everyone on this show so far has been in great shape. They all yeah. really look the part. The the wrestling ability is, uh, there's some differential between them all, but they all look like um, in-shape wrestlers. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I think, um, actually, when I was watching the, the, the second of the two shows that we're going to do, I kind of felt like the, good, the most of the, good the really good wrestlers are not around at this point or certainly not on the shows that we've looked and it's a lot of bodies isn't it um and you know you're, you're just not getting the some of the fast pace and good and exciting matches and i think it's it's kind of more of a plodding sort of style and um, Stu, what did you make of this uh gilbert and doll match um yeah not a lot i, I picked like mark said I, I i like the arm drag into a strut <laughs> that was about the highlight um but after he dropped him across the top rope, that was that was all it's done. I just wanted to check though, because I, I ain't had a chance to check. But Steve Doll was he part of Well Done in in the WWF at the time? Mark, I'll, tag, I'll 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 go to you tag, for that. There was that tag team, wasn't there? I, well I'm not 100, percent but I'm fairly sure you're right about that. That was yeah. the guy that who's he became Stephen Dunn, obviously in WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. same guy. Mike. I might do a live check while I'm on. I might, uh, I might call Oh, you. I'm, I'm well ahead of you there. Uh, oh, you mate. It was, right. it was. Yeah, Rex King and Steve Doll. Yeah, wow. Good fact, Stu. Good fact. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic facts. Um, the second Mid-South TV title tournament match up next, the Nightmare versus Sean O'Reilly. Again, how is Sean O'Reilly in this tournament? Um, sorry, Sean, if you're listening. Um, Watts talked about Gilbert, Humongous and the Nightmare all being in the tournament and how great it would be if they all were drawn against one another. Um, he also talks about Steve Williams being voted most improved from uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrator, which came up in our quiz uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, remind me, guys, who won that again? Was it us? That would be the United Kingdom team. Yeah, I think God's... we squeaked through, didn't we? Squeaked through by about 15 points. I think it might have even been 16. God save the Queen. Um, Pile Driver and Win for the Nightmare in 221. This was fine. Stu, anything to add on this one? 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, um, I like the way Humperdinka announced uh, announced the nightmare. It's hardly a, a hardly a Paul Heyman esque uh, introduction to his uh, <laughs> to his wrestler, was it? Um, I, I'm not. Yeah, one thing I picked up on, and then I've got. I'm going to throw a curveball question in, if that's all right. Um, the executioner took a drop kick from 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 Sean, but I'm I'm not sure what he was doing because he was sort. I don't know whether he was trying to avoid it or it, it it was just he like moved to the left to try and avoid it, but then ended up taking it. And it all just looked looked really really messy um, in, in that respect. Um, but yeah, no nothing nothing per se to add to 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 the match. But I've just thought of a question actually. But I'll let Mark feedback and then I'll if it's okay, I'll just sling it in. Absolutely, go ahead, Mark. Most of the notes I made about this match were about Steve Williams being named most improved wrestler of the year, being in that recent quiz that we uh, were in. And once again, we won. Uh, besides that, I said O'Reilly did get a fair bit of offense in, which surprised me considering he's fairly new and not got a lot of wins in the promotion compared to the former North American champion nightmare. But uh, he, he hit the pile driver and that was all she wrote. Yes, indeed. Um, Stu, what was your question? So I was just thinking, uh, out of all the wrestling, this is putting, putting you guys on the spot, but out of all the wrestling that we've watched, what has been your favourite, like, tournament, like, you know, like a King of the Ring, or what, what's been your favourite tournament um, experience? Um, Mark, have you got anything that springs to mind? The first two that immediately jumped to mind, the Deadly Game Survivor Series 98 was really well played out, all in. Um, but match quality, I remember the first the first pay-per-view, King of the Ring, 1993. You had some really good matches, particularly Brett and Mr. Perfect in the semi-final, and then Brett and um, Bam Bam Bigelow in the final. Two really good matches on the same night there. Um Sorry, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for like so I, I have to say niche, but I guess it's a bit more niche than than WWF stuff. The 2018 G1 is the first time I've watched the whole thing, which is two two round robins of ten wrestlers. How many matches that is? One each plus the final, and then I watched 19 and 20 all the way through as well. 20 wasn't quite as good because of the um, COVID restrictions and the no cheering and booing stuff. But 18 and 19, like you literally would have a have a day of, it tend to be five singles matches and you could have like four match of the year candidates on the same cut and then one like sort of comedy match. It was usually pretty good as well. So those those two years um, were particularly good, especially the year that, uh, what was the year Omega didn't win it? So that would have been... 2017 because he won it in 16 and challenged for the title at the start. So yeah, the 2017 one that he didn't win was was phenomenal. Like his match, he beat Okada in what they I guess that was the third match of their series. Um was that the third match? One, two, three. I think yeah, the third, third one was my favorite one. That yeah, one the only short went one. half an hour opposed to that's it, yeah. Exactly, yeah. which was which was really strong. And then literally they, they talk about this quite a lot in, in terms of if you're in the B block. Your your kind of main event match is on at about eight pm on the. I'm going to get this wrong, but it's eight pm that day. And then you've got to be in the final on the Sunday, which is always an earlier show. The Sunday show is always earlier, so you've literally got to do a, like a main event match at like eight or nine o'clock, and then you've got to come back and do the same thing at like two or three o'clock the next day. And it's like your body's completely beaten up and destroyed, and you're expected to go in there and do. And his matches with Akada and Naito are like out of this world. So a very good question, Joe. I enjoyed that. That certainly made, cheered me up from talking about this episode of Mid South. So um, I should say that we're not we're not you know. 
well, unfortunately, we've got a bit of a, a bit of a couple of dull weeks here as they change the they change their, their location from a TV from a TV taping perspective. It's just kind of one of those things. But we'll try. What and... about um? What about Stuart? Oh yeah, sorry. Got any favourites? Yeah, uh, sorry. Well, Stuart. You, your uh, you, question you... that you answer it. Go ahead. <laughs> you said my favourite mark, uh, the Deadly Game Survivor series. I just thought was was fantastically well done. Um, and that, but, but and, and and ditto the King of the Ring '93. Um, you know, I just just sometimes just crave that sort of structure coming back into into wrestling where you have them all rather than having like they when they moved on to the later King of the Rings where they just did like you know either the final at the pay per view event the actual yeah the excitement of that and um, yeah and I'm just trying, I was just trying to remember all the matches from King of the Ring '93 because we had Brett was it Brett against Razor. Um, was it Mr. Perfect against Mr. Hughes? Yeah, it was, yeah. He did a perfect uh, towel toss at the start of that match where he throws the towel behind his back. It lands on Mr. Hughes' shoulder perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then I'm struggling now to remember the other ones. Um, I can't remember who Bam Bam fought in the early rounds. Can't remember. I'm going to look now. I'm going to look now. Sorry. If they did something like that now, that, that I mean, I don't watch any WWE at all. What? What? Actually, best question um, back to you, Stu. What are you watching WWE wise now? Do you do you watch anything, or do you just read the read the reports? I or just do you read do that. I just read the reports, and then if something something particularly um, jumps out at me, uh, which is very little, um, I'll, I'll just pop onto the pop onto the network and just just watch it. Yeah. What about um, you, Mark? Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, I gave. Uh, Survivor Series is a complete miss. Didn't didn't bother with that. Um, I'll, Royal Rumble when that comes around, I'll I'll watch the two Rumble matches, skip through the undercard, I guess, and um, see how the year kicks off. Yeah, I um I just thinking about a tournament, and I because the thing with WWE is there's not too many matches that would make me like would would give would give me um make me really interested in seeing something. But actually, if you put together Maybe you could do this. See, NXT is not really a thing so much now because of what it's become. But you, if they did a if they did a G one style tournament, it doesn't have to be as big as that. But you could have it as with eight people, you could have it with six people or something, and then and then give the winner of that a, a challenge. Let's say I don't know, it could even be a B pay per view or, or make it a, you know more significant challenge at maybe a SummerSlam or something. I, I do think that'd be something that'd be quite interesting because you, you get to see, you get just throw the best wrestlers in there and have. Two matches on Raw, two matches on SmackDown, or, or three matches or whatever, and follow it. And there's so much you can put in. I think that's the good thing about tournaments. Like you said, with this um, King of the Night and Deadly Game, in a tournament, it forces you to book lo- longer because you're you're booking a thing, and you're, longer is maybe not the right word if it's a one night tournament. But you know what I mean. You've got you've got to be intricate with your stories, and you've got to follow stuff. I think WWE that might focus if they if they booked a tournament for six weeks that might focus their mind. It's like we we're gonna you know this is it and we got to do it. And the way they do it in New Japan is they book the whole thing way before if you know if something happens or some someone's injured they have to rebook it. But it's all booked way in advance. All that and I think sometimes longer term thinking with booking is the way to make sure your storylines make sense. Mm. Uh, I can't even I can't even complain about WWE now really because I don't watch it. So I'm kind of like so detached from it that it's difficult mm. for me to provide a um you know a, a good opinion on it really. Um anything else on tournaments for we uh for we Well just just in answer just in answer your questions I'm sure there's listeners shouting out. So um Bam Bam Bigelow faced uh, Mid-South favorite Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Well, I've no memory of that at all. And and then Lex Luger fought Tatonka. Uh, that was a draw, not, wasn't it? 
and that was a draw. So Bigelow yeah. got a bye into uh, right. the final. So there you go. Yeah. And, and Lex- we had to wait a whole year for the long-awaited Lex Luger to tank a few to kick really kick off in night four. <laughs> Dreadful. Um, this was that was really kind of I was wasn't wasn't watching much around that time. I so I don't think I was watching the, the weekly television even. I would I'll keep up with the pay per views, but yeah, it was dark times. Um, Dick Slate. I'm talking about dark times. Dick Slater versus Alvarez next. <laughs> um, Slate's got on the microphone again and said he couldn't get out what he wanted to say about Reed earlier on. And as far as he's concerned, Reed reminds him of the scum of the earth. He has no guts and he knows what he's going to do with the belt when he gets it. He's going to put it around Journey's waist. Um, Reed came out to a decent reaction and he called uh, Slater a sucker. He said he's beaten him all over Mid-South already and he has no call for a title shot. Slater was shouting back, but I couldn't hear him. And this whole thing was a bit shouty for my liking, um, which is often the case with Reed, sadly, because he's such a good promo when he's not doing this. Again, Reed said he needs to come up with something interesting for him. And until then, he needs to wait his turn. Then he changed his mind and he said he should go and see the matchmaker and say they'd face Slater if he put, or that Reed would face Slater if Slater put Dark Journey on the line. Ross asked Reed if he wanted Journey and he said he didn't want her. He just wanted rid of her, which got a good reaction. Slater said he isn't going to get what he wants. And Reed said he'd wrestle him for the title if he gets her for 30 days if he wins. And he's going to put her back where she belongs, which is back on the streets, little mama, which got a huge reaction from the crowd. Um, Mark, before we get on to the match, what do you think of this uh, Slater and Reed back and forth? Oh, this this was tough to get through, wasn't it? Um, Slater started by saying all the same stuff that he'd already said half an hour earlier. He just said it again. Um, and then when Butch got in the ring, it was an awkward silence where Butch seemed to forget where he was going until he suddenly did think of what he wanted, which was Dark Journey. But he doesn't want Dark Journey. He wants rid of Dark Journey. And the more Butch Reed talked, the more confused I got, to be honest. He said he gets her for 30 days, but he also said he wants her so he can put her back on the street. So is that after the 30 days or... I don't know. It was a whole mess, I thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. I thought of. Bill Watts did say he liked what Reed had said, and Boyd Pierce said he couldn't have made it any plainer, which I completely disagree with. He made it very confusing. <laughs> he did. It hurts my head, actually, even thinking about this recap. Um, Stu, what do you think of this? Painful. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm not saying anything else that you guys haven't said really I just thought it was disjointed and um, yeah yeah not great not stellar segment um, Al Perez was still rocking the long tights and trainers here as, as Watt said he had the best belly to back suplex he has ever seen Perez had Slater beaten in just under five minutes but Journey put Slater's leg in the ropes and then Slater eventually pinned Perez in 5.47 after a roll up attempt by Perez he was then distracted inexplicably by Journey, got reverse, and then was pinned with his tights being held. Um, I thought this was the best that Slater has looked in ring, and I, I would attribute that 100% to Al Perez. Um, Stu, what did you make of this match? Um, again, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I was so Slater was, you know, nice technically map based style. Um, Jake Roberts, I think, is also nice technically map-based style, but I'm more invested in Jake than I am Dick because, yeah, Jake could... I don't know. Um, just I haven't got really anything to say, to be honest with you. I'm just trying to find something to, to fill the gap because it just wasn't great at all. Um, I mean, they said that that dark journey interfered because it's um, pulled his foot onto the road, but I thought 
his foot was already on the rope anyway. But um, but that that's a small point. But um, yeah, not not really much to say to be honest with you. No, um, not the best. Uh, Mark, uh, before I rant a bit more about the referee, uh, Al Perez wearing plain black tights. I, I think I missed the week where they had the match where that was that stipulation was used. Um, it was after a match with Dr. Death and Ted DiBiase, I believe, and he's still wearing them because he's a man of his word. They got to choose what Al Perez would wear in the future, and they went with long black wrestling tights. I don't know what that was supposed to achieve. Was that made clear no. at the time? Uh, it was supposed to be embarrassing for him to have to wear yeah. these just normal black chunks and a, like basically like a, almost like a pair of Air Jordans, which are a little bit before Air Jordans, yeah. but quite nice trainers. Yeah, that, that was odd. It, it wasn't like they put him in... Like Jim Cornette had to wear a dress at one point and stuff yeah. like that. These guys put him in black tights instead of black trunks. But anyway, Carl Fergie, referee. Um, he finished the show the way he started, useless. Um, Al Perez had a pin attempt when Dart Journey got up on the apron. So Carl Fergie stopped counting, which is fair enough. That's what he's supposed to do. Slater reversed the pin attempt and Dart Journey never moved. She still stood on the apron. Fergie just got back down on the mat and counted the three. Absolutely useless. Um, Standby match next in the new team of Dr. Death and Buzz Sawyer versus Jimmy Back and Mark Cooper, who used to play for Fulham. uh, There's some dreadful stories about him, and I can't remember exactly what they are. Um, Not that that would be of any interest to anyone. Um, Sawyer let out a great scream when doing a flying elbow near the start of this, and he he used that again a few times later on. Um, Williams did an incredible military press on Backland also, and he won with the Stampede. In what was a brutal squash, I thought, I haven't got the time. Mark, what do you make of this? Uh, well, the first thing that struck me was seeing Buzz Sawyer and Steve Williams stood side by side. It was a terrifying sight. Um, <sighs> Sawyer started the same way he always starts, by charging across the ring and grabbing whoever he can uh, he's closest to. Uh, Bill Watts wondered out loud what might happen if Williams and Sawyer drew each other in the TV title tournament. I would see that match. Um but yeah, the match itself, it, it was only always always only going to go one way. And uh, yeah, they, they got the job done. Stu? Yeah, I just put, <laughs> safe to say, do not hold a lot of hope for these two. Um, Jimmy Button thrown around like a ragdoll. Mark Cooper with the most reluctant tag ever seen. Um, <laughs> and game over. Uh, you might have covered this one before, but Jimmy Backland, um, did he become Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey? Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. Yes, he yeah. did. So, uh, oh, I've forgotten that. So, yeah, well done. Um, anything else, Stu? Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. We then got a few shots of the crowd and Boyd ran through the matches which had been drawn uh, while everything else had been going on. So we've got Williams versus Steiner coming up, Roberts versus Gilbert and Duggan versus Humongous. Uh, we then got yet another promo from Dick Slater. Why, why, why? Talking about Duggan having no right to have his girlfriend down there. Sawyer joined him and they said they wouldn't stand for it. Watts reiterated what was needed for the challenge for Reed. Sawyer then shouted about Duggan's old hag and threatened her. Slater called Duggan a very stupid individual who was also ugly. And there's too much Slater on this show. Um, Stu, final thoughts on this week's episode overall and also any thoughts on this closing segment here? Uh, Well, like I mentioned earlier in the thing... I couldn't really understand what was being said, to be honest with you. And then Mad Dog just comes in shouting and stuff like that. What I did notice, though, I thought Boyd, Boyd Pierce was trying not to laugh. I thought he was having to uh, bite his uh, bite his lip to, 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 to not crack a smile, really. Um, it just It's just messy. It is, uh, 
I mean, if you want my overall thoughts on the episode, I think um, out of all the episodes that I've watched or had the had the the opportunity to review with you guys, I think this is probably the the weakest of them all. Really, um, yeah, just just not great. Yeah, I was quite excited when I when it, I knew it was going to be uh, like a TV title tournament because you kind of get longer matches. Where I thought it would be good, but it's just this this, this week just didn't work at all. Uh, Mark, what did you think of the show overall? Any thoughts on this um, closing segment? Well, the three matches. Boyd Pierce announced for next week all seem to have some pretend potential, I thought. Um, something to look forward to. Uh, Slater and Dark Journey back at the desk. Bill Watts continued his earlier mockery of Slater by he was he was talking as though they weren't even there at one point, um, as he commented on the matches coming up next week, and then he it ended with him cutting off Slater mid-rant to end the show. Uh the sh- this show overall, we had six matches, all featured decent action there was no bad sloppy matches but there wasn't anything stand out this week I didn't think like a really good match or a no. memorable promo the lasting impression I took from this episode was how Dick Slater's one of their top heels if not the top heel in the company right now and he was made to look a bit of a fool and that's not something I'm used to seeing in Mid-South where they usually keep the the top guys very strong so hopefully next week there's uh, some decent matches and hopefully with that little something extra yeah, that's a really great point because you've got, and, I, and again, I can only speculate. Thirty-six years on, that he was he was so involved in the show because he's head of, like kind of head of creative book or whatever you want to call him. Obviously, with what's overseeing, but you're right, he was all over the show, but looked bad. And it, and I think he, there's an element of sort of X-Pac heat, go away heat with him. Certainly, looking at this later, I know that. Um, I know that Terry was a big fan of his, um, but yeah, I'm just don't not get not getting this at all. Um, right, uh, Twitters plugs Twitters. You know, do you ever go on the Twitters? Look at some twi- uh, some tweets. Um, Mark, what's your where can people find you online? Yeah, on the Twitter machine, I am at Dopper Six. Uh, and shoot, yeah, on Twitter, I'm at, at Wakefield Canary. Fantastic. These kind gentlemen will be back with me next week for another uplifting episode of Mid-South Moments. We'll speak to you all again very soon. Yeah, this is Eric Watts. And for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast, please do me a favor. If you're looking at uh, more information about Mid-South Sports, Power Pro Wrestling, Universal Wrestling, go to universalwrestling.com and check out that website. It's a must-see.